Hello and welcome back to Check Check Go. This is Nathan, joined as always by Philip. Hey everybody. This is episode 11. This is episode 11. If this is your first time listening though, Check Check Go is a weekly podcast that releases on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, as well as releases on our website at fatdragongaming.com, so you should go check it out. Nathan, how's your week been? My week's been fantastic. A very good week. Well, what's been the best thing for you this week? Oh, God. I, it's a tie between two things. And we'll get to both of those things. Actually, it might be a tie between three things. Well, then we do have that one thing to talk about that I didn't add to the list, but I'll get us there. So, um, today in today's episode, we're going to talk about TV and then move into games and then finally move into the movies that we've been watching um, one of which will be our Spider-Man Homecoming reactions. They will be spoiler-free, so don't be afraid to listen all the way to the end. Because Nathan actually watched a movie on opening weekend. For oh, I, I've got to tell that story. That was great, yeah. All right, but before we get into all that, let's uh, let's jump into what we've been watching as far as TV goes. Nathan, what you been watching? Uh, I watched the new Castlevania animated series that's on Netflix. It just premiered, right? Uh, yeah, Friday. So, tell me a little bit about that. What, uh, what's the deal there? Well, it's based on Castlevania 3, which is Dracula's Curse, I believe is the name of the game. Um, but I think it was the first Castlevania game to introduce, no. My Castlevania lore is a little shaky. I'm not it's as better than mine. on that. Hmm? It's better than mine. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's based on the third game. Follows a guy named Trevor Belmont. And if you don't know anything about Castlevania, like the Belmonts are like the main protagonists of the series. They're a family that specializes in fighting like monsters and vampires and all sorts of evil stuff. Um, now, uh, now is, is it set sort of in the, the timeline or world of the game of the third game or is it the direct story to anime of the game like plot it's pretty much that yeah okay i mean there there's some slight variations just going by what i know Mm -hmm. but i mean it's it's an adaptation of the the game it's pretty much just telling the story of the game um but yeah so follows a guy named trevor belmont and he's slaying monsters and his ultimate goal is to kill dracula because that's your goal in every almost every Castlevania game is to kill Dracula. Because he just keeps coming back. He's like a vampiric cockroach. Or Santa Claus. Wait, what? He just keeps coming back every year. That's There's a lot of stuff that comes around every year. And I don't know why you jumped from a vampire to Santa Claus. Uh, they both wear a lot of red, there you I go. guess. Yeah, hey, I you can know. make your own. Santa Claus is yeah. a vampire. You heard it here first. Hey. That's how he gets to all the houses so fast. Wait, vampires can't cross thresholds unless they're invited, so that would oh. work. No, no wait, they are invited. Climb, everybody that's why wants, he climbs into the chimney. Every, well, no, everybody wants Santa Claus to come in. They invite him all year just by being who oh, they are. Oh, that's true. Holy shit. Yeah. So you, you did hear Holy it here shit. first. Santa Claus is a vampire. Wow. But yeah, anyway... Uh, the series, like, the series itself is only, like, four 20-minute episodes, which I thought was a little weird. Oh, wow. But, uh, this is kind of out on a, out on a limb for Netflix, because it's Japanese-style animation, but I don't think it was done by a Japanese country, and all the voiceovers are in English. Um, so, I mean, it's very much an American production. I mean, I'm guessing it is? Uh, uh, we can we can find but, out. Uh, now. Now this was just the first four episodes, right? That's not the complete the complete season. No, that w- yeah, the complete season was four episodes. They've already re-upped it for a second season. Okay. Well, I had just read. Um, I had read that they dropped four and had six more coming. One of the episodes that may have said been the season, season two, finale. Though. Yeah, so. the, well, I mean, that may have been season two. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, so I don't. I know that it got re-upped for season two. I don't know when that's coming out, but um, it was great, man. Like the animation was good, uh, the voice acting was good, especially for an English produced thing. It was uh, an American Canadian. Yeah, yeah. So like, 
for an American animation effort that doesn't come across looking like I don't know, like Archer Family Guy. Sure, sure. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Um, it looked a lot more like something that DC would do. Oh, really? Uh, not. I mean, like if DC did like an anime style mm-hmm. animation, it, that's probably what it would look like. But uh, it was super dark. It was super gory, and I it was it was fantastic like i felt like it really conveyed the castlevania spirit and it seems like it i mean it's a it's pretty low uh low time investment right so in two hours you yeah can i just watched the i watched the whole season. thing yesterday afternoon yeah so it's like watching a movie uh, yeah it's four 20 minute episodes so if i can math today that's 80 minutes that's yeah. less than an hour and a half awesome yeah so uh go check that out i probably will uh but coming from i mean you don't know a whole lot about castlevania even people um, who don't yeah they do a good job of like you don't really have to know anything about castlevania okay. to follow the story they that's do good. a really that's good job good. setting it up yeah because that that might scare some people off like not really no me. no like, I, I could go, i mean I this is this it's Wikipedia, probably gonna so. get a lot of people into castlevania actually well and um i don't know did have they announced a new castlevania game do they have something else coming out? I don't know. Not that I know but of. But when and if they do, then this will be this would be a good thing, like you said, to get people on, get people used to the franchise. And so if they do want to release something else, then there you go. You might have a new player base. Is that all well, you like they already have a player base. I mean, there's a reason that almost every game like that's a, like a platforming adventure game that comes out is called a Metroidvania. Oh yeah, and it's because of Castlevania and Metroid yep. because they pioneered that whole genre. You been watching anything else as far as TV goes? Mm, well, kinda. The uh, the summer anime season is kicking off right now, but they don't have a whole lot of stuff out yet, and I've just been watching bits and pieces of stuff that look vaguely interesting. I've only got two that I'm really interested in right now. All right. Well, um, as far as I go, um, we t- I think I talked about last week. Yeah, last week w- um, I finished Glow, and you know when you finish a show that you love, you sort of fall into that like nothing else. Nothing else looks as good, you know. Um, but so Caitlin and I were like, okay, well, what are we gonna watch now? So Game we, of Fucking Thrones. We we're uh, browsing on Netflix, and she was like, well, I haven't watched this show in a long time, and I looked up, and she had turned on Pretty Little Liars. So, Nathan, I'm, oh I'm addicted to Pretty Little Liars. Um, of course you are. Yeah, it's trash TV at its finest, and I can't stop watching it. So, I think we watched, like, eight episodes last night. Watch Game of Thrones. So, um, so there you have it. Um, it's basically like Game of Thrones. I mean, come on, without without nudity, so... No, you you heard not. that here first. Pretty Little Liars. No, don't listen to him. This He's is Game of Thrones. Um, but that's about all the TV that I've been watching. Yeah. Um, moving into games. Uh, we have been playing Battlegrounds, and we'll get to that in a second. But there's some a couple things that I want to cover before we get there, because we have a little bit to talk about with Battlegrounds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first off is you texted me the other day and we we both knew that this game was coming out. I just didn't realize that it was coming out this soon, but um the remake or is it a remake or remaster? It's a remastered. Remaster of Final Fantasy 12. Not my most favorite game in that series, but wait. A game no, that what I, is? M- my favorite Final Fantasy? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like overall, it had to be Final Fantasy 10. Because you've got nostalgia, and um, I think it's a little bit better of a game than Twelve, as far as like story and stuff. <clears throat> twelve is up there though. Like I love Twelve. Huh? I would have just said Twelve. Not now. Okay, now Six is my favorite. If we're counting all like everything. Oh well, yeah, we're counting everything. So Six is my favorite. Ten is probably second. The only reason you still have that order is because you haven't played 8 and 9. I mean, I've played three-fourths of 8. No, you played less than half of 8. No, I've played three-fourths of 8. No, I know how far you got in 8, and you weren't even halfway done. How far did I get in 8? 
You only got to like the second disc. What was happening? They were in the prison. That's as far as you the got, prison. right? Prison. Or like they had just done the missile base. When did they find out? When did they find out everything about the orphans and like they were? They go back to the, the orphanage and everything. That's like the beginning of disc three. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I got I got to disc three because no, I got no, no, past no. this. Three is like the biggest disc. You were only about halfway through the game. Trust me. Anyway, I've played a good bit of eight. I've played eight four times from beginning to end. And it is your favorite? Yes, it is. Yeah. So 12 is neither of our favorites, but I really like it. Um, I like One of my greatest some. gaming accomplishments happened in 12. When you, at level, basically as soon as you could, you ran for the Zodiac Spear. It's only like level 20. Yeah. Um, And you're running through, like, what, level 50 stuff? Yep. Yeah. Uh, just insane. running through everything, got the Zodiac Spear. And getting the Zodiac Spear is not the easiest thing because they've got some weird caveats in order for it to actually spawn. Because yeah, you, you can't, can't like, open get like certain, certain chests. chests. Yeah. You have to do specific stuff. You have to get to a certain point in the game. But it's the most powerful weapon in the game. And as long as you can get to it, you can get it as soon as like the area is available. Yeah, exactly. And you're supposed to be like level like fifty or sixty, and I did it. No, I don't. I think I was level like thirteen or fourteen. That's what I was thinking. I, I was. I, I didn't think you were as high as twenty. Yeah. And so, like, basically, you just have to like level up like the the green mage stuff on your board, and then just throw in a whole bunch of support magic and like just run. See, like Forrest Gump style. See, the thing with twelve to me was that the story was pretty garbage, and all of the characters were garbage. Um, all of the characters were not garbage. <laughs> almost all of the characters outside. If, they had, if the game had just been Balthier, it would have been a Balthier, and game. I and I like Bosch. Um, but they, I mean, they were they were they were garbage. Um, to me, the voice acting was a step down from ten. Um, no, it wasn't. The, the acting was okay, but like the production was awful. Okay, everybody felt I'll give like you they production. Were, everybody felt the like they were was in incredibly the, better. The acting was the acting itself was better, but the production it sounded like everybody was in a cardboard box. I have it one sounded word for weird. You. Waka. <laughs> but uh, but so so you Fine got almost as annoying though. story and characters. I yeah, please give me something else. But as far as gameplay, I really liked the upgrades. I liked the the board system. Uh, I liked the hunt system, and I liked the gambit system. Um, because it, like when we back when we played sort of first time through, I didn't really pay that big of, much of a attention to the gambit system. But uh, as I played many 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 hours later, um, I wound up just automated everybody, and it became more of a strategy game of okay you set up your gambits of if then or, or if this then this and yeah you run around and then as soon as combat goes then you just watch everything you've created kick ass so unless you want to do some serious damage and then you do my favorite thing about the game which is the quickening system oh yeah i got really fucking good at quickenings yeah yeah and you can i was stringing together like 10 of them at a time you can do some crazy stuff with that. So, um, the big thing with the the remaster, though, is kind of like they've been doing, I guess, with most of their um, re-releases recently. I know seven they they put a fast forward system in. Um, I don't know. Did 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 they do that with ten? There's not a fast forward system, yeah. is there? Uh, there is. Yeah, dude. Yeah, oh, okay. dude. Okay. It's the best thing ever. Oh, okay. Cool. The, um, the four by speed in ten is like the best thing that's ever happened to that game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think they've realized with these re-releases that doing that, um, it it brings people back in that might not play it because they're like, I don't want to, you know, put another seventy hours into it. So, because there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's, it's a JRPG, so there's a I, lot I of think grind. I still put seventy hours into my last. Ten there's a lot. Play. There's a lot of. There's a lot of grind to it, and that at least eases that nastiness a little bit eases it down so there will be a fast forward system in 12 as well cool which is gonna make running through those huge empty maps of nothing slightly less annoying that was one of my major things with 12 like half the game is just like empty 
Yeah, and there will be like three like three enemies on a big map or Especially something. Especially that fucking desert. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. So now, um another RPG. Bioware is working on a new Dragon Age game. And Nathan, I've gotten bitten by the Dragon Age bug in like the last week and a half. And I'm very, very excited about the new Dragon Age game. Uh, there was an article on tweaktown.com. I don't what whatever. But they've got they've got sources and some cool pictures. Um, and this article was released one day ago. Uh, where Mike Laidlaw, one of the the big dogs, as far as the Dragon Age series is concerned, they they interviewed him. Um, so it is in fact a triple A Dragon Age game, not a spinoff game, not a spinoff little strategy game. It's confirmed to be the new Dragon Age something, Dragon Age quote unquote four, um, on the same level as an in Inquisition. This is big news for me. I love because uh, I, I love the series. And I need to play Inquisition. I need to play it. I just don't know when I'm going to be able to play it. Uh, do whatever you want. I just don't know. You have time. You just suck at making time for stuff. Um, but they are they're on a hiring spree. They're currently hiring 14 positions. And that's that's big. That's the, one of the biggest hirings that they've done in a long, long, long time. So it looks yeah, like it's probably because they fired all the people <laughs> who worked on Andromeda. Um, did, okay, I guess they fired some and then uh, redistributed others. Um, I'm actually not sure they fired anybody. Yeah, I know that they redistributed a, bu- a bunch of them, but it says that they are making the big triple A mainline Dragon Age game alongside the massive new IP Anthem. So it looks like uh, Bioware's throwing out some big stuff. Uh, this article also has. Uh, some teaser art concept stuff, um, and it looks anything like anything new. Uh, no, it looks like uh, sort of what we've gotten from Dragon Age. Um, that sort of same art concept stuff, like we see in the game, um, like in cutscenes and stuff. Um, even back to Dragon Age Origins, like the very first cutscene where they sort of tell the story of the Blight and everything. That art style, we're still getting that. Um, it's gorgeous, but nothing really too new. Um, Nathan, how much of uh, Inquisition did you wind up playing? A good bit. Like hours wise, was it? Uh, over I think I, thirty I put under at fifty, least forty to fifty in it, and I still wasn't done. It's a big, big game. Um, there's just so much to do. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, this game seems like it's a ways off, but it was it was big for for me to hear that it's not like a mobile game or something so i'm happy to, i'm happy to get that confirmed has bioware even released a mobile game yeah ever? no they do like they do like uh it's like dragon age heroes or something but it's like no no, no, a, no i'm talking about, i don't think that's actually by i think i think it has their name on it just cuz it has to but i don't think they actually made that well regardless happy that it's a main series game um I now I'll talk about this in a minute, but I've, uh, like I said, sort of gotten bitten by the Still Dragon Age. Still the Old Republic three. Oh, not anytime soon. It's probably not going to happen. Probably but I still want it. Not anytime soon. They probably abandoned that when they did the Old Republic. True. Are are people playing the Old Republic anymore? Yeah. Like, is it is it? They just thriving? released an expansion like a few months ago, and it was the most popular one to date. Good for them. Good for them. All right, so what we've been playing is Battlegrounds, and uh, this is our little section of the podcast where we talk about Battlegrounds. Nathan, what's happened to Battlegrounds recently? Got to eat some chicken. We got to eat some chicken. We finally got to taste the chicken. All right. Last night, in fact. It was last night on our stream. We do stream usually twice a week at uh, twitch.tv slash fatdragonstreaming. Um... But we did finally get the taste of the chicken. Overall, though, we played three matches, and it was our probably overall best night in that game because uh, we had we finished tenth, we finished fifth, and then we finished first. Um, and boy, it was a wild ride because David, we the beginning of that game didn't look too hot, did it? No, it did not. Uh, so we've been we've been doing this thing since uh, Thursday, 
uh, where we we play Naked Naked and Afraid Battlegrounds Edition. Um, so like a lot of other people, we we are just in our undies, and uh, we drop. Well, your actually clothes don't give you any bonuses anyway. No, they so don't. No they point. don't. But it, it it looks it looks funny though. Um, so so we drop in and uh, we go different houses. We're close to the power plant, right? And um, we drop in next to two other two other guys. Yeah. You, I don't initially get a gun. You, do you initially get a gun? Yeah, I got an ump. So you get an ump. You kill one guy, but then this, uh, do you run out of ammo or something? Yeah. And yeah, I ran out of, yeah. So um, the other guy's teammate doesn't have a gun, but <laughs> I'm like running house to house trying to find something. I wound up finding a pistol, and um, and then all I hear is, he's going to punch me to death. And so, sure enough, he downs you from punching as I'm coming up the stairs. Nobody's wearing clothes. He's got his fists. I guess you don't have any ammo at this point. But then I, you know, I put him down with a pistol. So that was our start, though. Nathan down. But we got so lucky in that there were like five first aid kits in that in that group of houses that we dropped. Because I wound up, I think I wound up with two or three. Yeah, it was um, Because I used one. No, you used one there. And then, um, so from that group of houses, though, we we ran our only time that we relocated because we have this magical ability to drop inside the circle. Um, and we relocated one time to this little, like, logging encampment, which I had never been to. Um, and we stayed there the rest of the game. You wound up with five. I wound up with five kills. Five kills. I had four kills. And uh, it was we'd never played the game quite like that. In that, uh, we were hunkered down. We were pretty much out in the open, but we were out stuff. in the open, and we had never really played that way before. Um, other than like hiding behind trees and stuff. But the this area had vehicles and um like logging piles and stuff and pallets to hide behind. And uh, we've been saying it on the podcast ever since we started playing this game. But tall grass and shadows, man. Like if you if you can find some cover and you can either go prone or crouched in in those shadows, it's, it's hard to see you. And we were I able. Was, to, I was behind a pallet the whole time, just crouched. Yeah, I never even went prone. Um, and the only reason I went prone for like the last ten minutes of the game was because, um, we wound up the circle was was constricting on we were like literally in the middle of we it had every to move time once and so and it was right at the end of the, and like, so we had people right at the end of the game we had people coming from north south and west and so where i wound up i was i was exposed other than i think it was was it sunset were we playing no, it was no. Just okay map. I wish it were sunset because that would have given me a little bit more shadow to work with. But I was literally just laying, laying, laying in the shadow. And then as soon as somebody would come up, I would go crouch, fire on them, and then go back prone to, to scan the area. Um, but, yeah, we, we stayed where we were. We killed a few more people. We were able to get a jump on them, I think, because we were in the open enough that, that maybe they weren't expecting anybody. Um, but we were hidden enough that they couldn't see well, us. Well, I think so. the main thing was that we were inside the circle the whole time, and they were probably worried about people coming from the outside and not people who were already in. Somehow, it seemed like nobody else jumped over there or something. I mean, because they weren't... I guess we heard... Did we hear gunfire the whole time? Because were people really... really. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like it's not like people were in the circle and they were killing each other. Like they were uh, weeding each other out. Because we've been in games where that's been the case. Like the game that we played before that, where we got fifth. I mean, we, like we could hear them all around, like the top of this hill and over here, they were killing each other. But that didn't seem the case. It just seemed like everybody else was coming from outside in, and we were the only ones, other than those few people that we killed, sort of at the beginning, that actually were in the circle in the beginning. So, um. But then, because we have to have some drama along with everything that we do, and because Philip sucks at video games, um, <laughs> if you go back and watch our win, um, I actually got five kills. <laughs> because I shot Nathan in the back of the head as we were firing on the last guy. There's one I'm an idiot. guy left. 
I like dash out from behind like the log pile we're sitting behind. I throw a stun grenade out. It hits him. Uh, I run out the side. Phillips right behind me, and the first bullet he fires hit me right in the back. So of maybe my I'm head. actually not that bad of a aim, uh, because I mean I'm moving, you're moving, and I wind up hitting you in the head with one bullet. So. Uh, I went down, and I was like, oh, God, no, this one guy is going to kill Philip, too. And then as I'm, like, thinking that, Philip just starts screaming, and I was like, oh, my God, we did it. Yeah, Nathan starts screaming, and uh, you can barely even understand what he's saying. Uh, That is true happiness and true joy right there. I I haven't haven't gotten a feeling like that in a long time from a game. I know I said, I said, like. because you don't play competitive games enough. Oh well, it, but even when I play, I've never, I've never won anything. I've never won anything. Like that's the first time I've ever won because, um, other than maybe like capture the flag, and my team will win. But I'm on a team of like, yeah, you know, what I don't know how what it was in Halo like eight, eight people. But I mean, to me that, and it, even I haven't done that in ten years. So it's the first time in ten years that uh, I've won anything competitively, and I it was on a team of two, and uh, I actually got four kills. So, whew, I was shaking afterward. Um, before we move on to uh, the movies, I'm going to do a short little insert here of what I've been reading recently because I've actually been uh, reading some comics and not your normal typical comics from DC or Marvel. I actually have been reading some of the Dragon Age stuff, and uh, it's pretty good. Dark Horse released it. Um, They have actually uh, released a new ongoing um, miniseries that I'm going to jump on before next podcast, so I'll be able to sort of talk about that as it comes out each month. But it's cool to see that they're bringing the Dragon Age comics back, I think, to sort of fill the gaps before the fourth game comes out. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, the the um the current the Dragon Age Volume 1 that I'm reading right now is um Al- uh, is Alistair uh Varric and Isabella are a party together. Oh and right now. My god. Yeah, right my now. three like the three best, of the best, the best people. And it's the it's the writer from Dra- Dragon Age 1 and 2 and I don't know if he uh, he may have written Inquisition as well, but these came out before Inquisition. So it's the main Dragon Age writer, and he's writing his characters. So, I mean, they feel just like they do in the game. Um, and those personality mixes are just perfect because we never got we never got Alistair and, and Varric together, right? No, I don't and think so. And we got a little bit of Alistair and Isabella just like when you go to that um, the tavern. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. play your cards so, right. You can do a little bit more than just get them together. So, have we ever gotten Varric and Isabella together? They didn't ever cross paths in, in Dragon Age Two. So, no. so these are personalities that on their own. Wait, yeah, they did. Did they really? You can't. You can't. They were in the same oh, party. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot Varric was. Uh, he was part of the party. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, that's actually like the two people that I took out all the time. Okay, yeah, okay, my bad. Because so, their interactions with each other are my fucking bad. hilarious. That, that's that's right. That was my bad. So, um, so, but that those interactions just continue on. And the great thing is because Alistair, you know, is sort of he's still like, he's super innocent, sarcastic, but he's still really uptight. But well, uptight and like, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, not um not vulgar, you know, and uh and you've got two of the most vulgar people that you can ever take in a in a Dragon Age game. Um and and there's been mention of of Zevran so far and there's been sort of a joke about how um how Isabella knows Zevran from Varric. He's like, "Oh, so you uh, you know that guy." Um it's great. It's great. It's like it's like bringing the family back together. So, I'm reading that. Um I've also been reading uh, some stuff from the publisher Valiant. Have you ever heard of Valiant? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read any of their stuff? Mm, probably not. So they've got they've got actually um a movie deal in the works now for their character Bloodshot. Um and I read his fir- the first volume of his um 
his his run uh cuz they did a they did a universe redo in 2013 so it was very recently and this this publisher's only been around since the late 90s i believe so uh the the sort of the neat thing about it is that it's characters that were created in the 90s and not in the 60s so even like uh their sort of base selves feel a little bit different than like uh, Captain America or Superman or Batman or something because uh, they're just younger and you don't have the uh, the continuity issues and stuff because the universe is smaller so if you are interested in comics but you're like oh, I don't know where to jump in on DC and Marvel uh, Valiant has really good characters um, and they're presented in a, in a sort of different way it's almost like each each series is has its own humor to it um, in a way that a lot of because I've read a lot of DC and I re- I've read a lot of Marvel and this just feels different. So it's a good alternative. So if you're interested in comics but don't want to jump in on the big boys, then try Valiant out. I all I did was um, I subscribed, I resubscribed to Comicsology, one of the best apps out there. Um, they have a huge selection from all all varied comics and it's basically Netflix for for comics um, for five ninety nine. You you get access to if i subscribe to that my life would be over yeah uh because guided view on a phone makes reading comics on a phone like perfect um and i I, actually read on my kindle so my life would be over i would do nothing but read comics i have 10 years i have put in a lot of hours over the past few days just reading comics so it's opened up that time that you spent reading comics that's the time you could play inquisition in yeah, I was also reading comics while I was watching Pretty Little Liars, so I was already doing some uh, some multitasking there. Um, and it's it's good to like sit on the couch and do. Okay, so yeah, reading comics, uh, and I'll update us on the Dragon Age stuff because I'm very interested about it. Um, moving on to the movies that we've watched in the past week. Before we jump into Spider Man, uh, I almost killed myself because Nathan almost killed me because I went and saw Baby Driver. Uh, without him. Edgar Wright's one of my favorite directors. And like I told you the other day, this was my first Edgar Wright movie. I don't know how. Uh, I mean, the here's the way that I know Edgar Wright. And this is sad, but uh, I only know Edgar Wright because... He backed out of Ant-Man? Yeah, because he backed out of Ant-Man. And now after watching Baby Driver, I am so sad. Because I want to see what that looked like. If you... If you're sad now, you need to watch the rest of his movies. So, you can tell me, I mean, like, has he, does he always have, does he always have, like, music and rhythm in his movies? Yes. That's what I I was floored by. Dude, okay, I have to get you to watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World now. It's one of my favorite movies in the world, and he directed it, and it's fantastic. Because... I've never really seen any anybody do something quite to the level that he did it in this movie. I mean, we see trailers cut to music all the time where the beats of the trailer go to the beats of the of the, of the song or whatever. But a full-length movie that was literally rhythmic um down to gunshots weren't just gunshots, but they were bursts with the beats of the song was just I was just like Oh my god! And so yeah, Baby Driver uh, is fantastic in that sense, but it's also just a really good action movie um, with a really good cast. So I know Nathan wants to see it, but you. you should go check it out. Um, and then we went and saw Spider-Man: Homecoming. Opening night. Well, basically, it was the it was the night after opening night. Yeah, opening weekend, opening Friday. Um, Nathan, you don't do opening weekends no I don't because I hate people and we had a bad experience going to see Man of Steel so (laughs) the experience was not watching Man of Steel by the way I know people might just assume that so here's what watching movies in our little town looks like we have two movie theaters one of them has 12 screens yes that's our largest it has 12 screens laugh at us and then the small one has 6 screens people hate the small one because it's a lot older, and it's kind of run down, and it's kind of trashy. 
people flock to the big one because it's nicer and newer and everything. But the small one did something really, really smart, and they re they renovated one of their rooms and they put in recliners, and that's the first exposure to recliners that our little city has ever gotten. I know in your big cities that you've got recliners and you've got uh you've got bars and you've got restaurants and stuff in your movie theaters and you can eat you know cool stuff while you watch movies. We don't have that, but we do have recliners now in one screen in the small theater. So, all the big movies now show in both theaters. I'm like Nathan. Let's go uh let's go watch Spider-Man. Opening out we can talk about it on the podcast. What did you tell me? I believe my initial response was don't tempt me Frodo. Yeah. Uh and then it was no I'm not I'm not going. And I'm like I really want this bad. I really want this bad. And I was thinking, I was like, I, I I want this bad. So I was like, okay, well, m- I see that it's showing in the small theater. Maybe it's in the recliners. So I'm like, dude, I'll buy your ticket. We'll get there early. It may be in the recliners. And as soon as I said recliners, you're like, were you even like, you're like, oh, wait, could it be in the recliners? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, it'll be in the recliners. And so you're like, oh, okay, well, let's do this. I couldn't believe it. So I immediately like fandangoed the tickets and I saw that it was an auditorium too. And I was like, wait, I think that's the recliners one. So I called the theater. I was like, Hey, which screen has the recliners? And they're like auditorium too. I was like, Spider-Man showing there. Right. And she's like, yeah, Friday night. I was like, we got the recliners. So, uh, not only did we watch, I will say, I know I'll probably get crucified for this cause people like the original Spider-Man movies, but the best Spider-Man movie we've ever gotten. Oh no, that's unquestionable. Be- people okay, love people love Spider-Man too. People love Spider-Man Every, too. Everybody who says Spider-Man Two is a good movie has so many layers of nostalgia glasses on that they can't probably hold their head up. So I think this is the best Spider-Man movie, and we saw it in the climbers. Unquestionably, in the best Spider-Man movie, and a great, great experience. Um, and this is our spoiler-free uh, sort of re- reaction to it. We'll probably do a spoiler spoiler one later on but Nathan what 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 was good about this one to you almost everything almost everything yeah but I will tell you what really sold it for me the most and that's that Tom fucking Holland is a legend (laughs) I he nailed the awkward nerdy like high school drama having Peter Parker and he nailed like the witty like fun loving like Spider-Man side um almost like we've had trouble nailing this with Batman getting both Bruce Wayne and Batman we've had trouble with Spider-Man getting we've both had sides down really a lot of trouble with Spider-Man because because Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker just because I'm pretty sure he's that awkward in real life but not a great Spider-Man. But he was a terrible as Spider-Man, and then Andrew Garfield was the other way around. As he uh, was like and, too cool to be Peter Parker. And but as Spider-Man, he almost had he had the quips and he had um sort of the the lighthearted fun as Spider-Man. Um, but Tom Holland did both, and he um, did it better than either one of them did. And and sort of broadening the scope a little bit, I think the movie sort of in a meta way, also nailed it in the way that the others weren't able to, and that's the tone of it and the atmosphere of it was fun. And it's because they brought it back to high school. Well, they've tried to do high school before. They tried to do high school with Tobey Maguire and okay, with no. Andrew Garfield, okay, but it didn't both, feel both it didn't feel first, real. Both of the first movies was them was Peter Parker graduating from high school. Well, senior year, yeah. Peter in this one is 15. Not like 18 about to graduate high school. But even the casting felt high school. Like, that's the thing is, like, you can put it, you can make it, you can say it's senior year, but, like, the casting of, of both Spider-Man 1 and Animates and Spider-Man 1, it, it just felt like adults. I mean, it didn't. you didn't really sell me that uh, Emma Stone was a senior in high school. But... All the casting in this, if they were kids, it felt like kids. I don't know exactly how old Tom Holland is, but He's like 21, 22? Yeah, so like early 20s, but almost like a good high school drama show. You, you at least sold me that these people were young. 
Um, and I think that, that this is the first one that they did that. This is the first one that actually felt fun because it didn't take itself too seriously. I, I there think, wasn't a fucking origin story? No, there wasn't. Um, we didn't watch Uncle Ben die for the 50th time. They made a nice little nod to it. Never said his name, but they made a nice little nod. You know, everything. Oh, you're right. They didn't. Yeah. Um, they're like everything she's been going through. Um, and so you get you get all that, that you need out of it without yeah the they first unapod- thirty to hour. They unapologetically said, "Here's Spider Man. You know Spider Man. Let's let's do this." And I applaud them for I applaud them for that because that that's ballsy, but that's what they it's, like. We don't need Spider Man again like that, um, and we don't need introspective, dark like. Serious oh, Spider-Man. Oh, my life sucks. I'm Spider-Man. You were able to show Tom Holland Spider-Man deal with stuff, deal with being being Spider-Man, being Peter Parker, going through high school without it feeling really heavy. Um, and I think that was really great. I think Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton as the villain was great. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal actor. I read somewhere that like. He was probably like an article basically saying that he was probably the best Marvel villain to date. And I, I might have to agree with that. I was literally thinking that as we were watching the movie because and I was trying to figure out why, and it's because he felt grounded. Um to me he was the first <laughs> Which grounded. is ironic considering. <laughs> but he was he was really grounded. He had he had he had a really good reason. Like they really they sold the reason really well. Well, yeah, that's all of Spider Man's villains normally have a good reason to be criminals. But I was thinking, because uh, I was thinking, I was like, okay, well, this is the best Spider Man villain we've we've gotten. Because I'm tired of the Green Goblin thing. Oh my god! You know, I'm tired of that. We've we've seen that plenty of times. The um, one time Venom showed up, it was a train wreck. So the thing, the thing, especially with the villain that worked was that there was one villain. Yeah. Two, if you count the guy with the fist, but he was still part Shocker of. Shocker is a B-list villain in um, any Spider-Man thing, anyway. But I feel like Amazing Spider-Man. If this were an Amazing Spider-Man movie, he he still would have had like his own fifteen-minute arc or something, or like twenty, thirty-minute arc. But he here it just it felt part of the story. I love the fact that they made fun of his name in the movie. Yeah, um, but we had one main villain, and that grounded the whole movie. In a way that, like Amazing Spider-Man Two, where you had, and we we both liked Amazing Spider-Man Two, we were in the minority, but like, it a huge fault of it was that it was just everywhere, and it's like almost every time you looked up, there was a new villain or something was going on, and um, this was able to really focus on one storyline here and Peter Parker and, and it, how they how they melt together. Did it without him having a whole lot of screen time. No, that, that was that was great. I mean, when he was on screen, it, they were very economical with it. When he was on screen, it was really important. Um, I think a lot of that also has to do with just Michael Keaton's presence. Sure, sure. on screen. It being set in the in the MCU was really really big because we were able to tell a Peter Parker story that we couldn't before. Because this Peter Parker story was, I'm dealing with the fact that I just went and fought with the Avengers a few months ago and now I'm you know back in high school <laughs> giving an old lady directions on the street and so we weren't we've never been able to tell that story before because a like I've said we felt like we were dealing with an older Peter Parker but two we b we've never had the inclusion of the Avengers or anything like that so he was I, very much like a just a solo hero yeah and which it, has never really been a thing for Spider-Man like he's always either been part of a group or he's had someone there to mentor him, or just, like, I think that's one of the big drawbacks for the other two Spider-Man franchises, because it's just, Spider-Man doesn't work by himself. He at least, he, yeah, he at least needs something there. I mean, especially, like, if you are going for a younger guy, he does need sort of that mentor. Um, And so, enter Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., also, great with screen time. He always is. Um, also, to all the people who are like, oh, oh, I don't like the fact that Tony Stark's going to be in it because he's going to overshadow Spider-Man. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> you. He was great. He was great. He was great. perfect. Like, and, his interaction was perfect for the whole movie. And his interactions were perfect 
because they made it feel so natural and like his reasons for investing time with Peter felt realistic and felt also, true to his character. His time in Homecoming was some of the best Tony Stark like character growth that we've had in anything from the MCU. I and I've got I've got to tell you. I was I was very critical. I mean, I love Iron Man. I love Tony Stark as Iron Man. I love Robert Downey Jr. as as Tony Stark. Um, but I was sort of critical because I I felt like in the Iron Man movies, if you look at one, two, and three, his sort of we don't talk about three. His character development sort of does the same thing, of um, I yeah, really really cocky, really full of himself, uh, goes too far, introspective, sort of doubts himself. I'm not going to be Iron Man anymore. Then I'm Iron Man again at the end. Like, so that's sort of his thing. And even in Avengers, it was sort of the same thing. Like, he was really narcissistic, really, uh, really cocky, which is Tony Stark. But I feel like they've done such a good job in the last few Marvel movies going from Age of Ultron to Civil War to now that we have a three-dimensional Tony Stark. One who is still really narcissistic and full of himself, but at the same time, he's sort of pulled back and become this mentor and he, like, feels the weight of what he's doing a lot more than he did. feels the weight of what he's doing. And I think, like I said, and I think it's that um, the stance that he took in Civil War where he wanted to do the, to do the responsible thing, that's that's the Tony Stark that I want to I keep watching. And uh, it's really breathed life into that character for me, and it continued to do it in, in Spider-Man as that sort of mentor. He feels very responsible for this character and these circumstances. Yes, yeah, so uh, the next Spider-Man movie that will be coming out won't be coming out until after the Big Daddies, right? It won't be coming out until after Infinity War. Um, and I read an article the other day where, where it's going to be sort of carrying the weight of the cinematic universe through that second movie because it's going to be the first one after the big event. So Yeah, see, because they've been all over the place with his involvement in the MCU, but I think the word is now that he's going to be, like, the anchor for the MCU after Infinity War. Which, to me, is great. We've got a younger actor, we've got a younger character who can sort of grow through all of those without feeling sort of as tired as, and as great as we just said that he was, as tired as a Tony Stark or, you know, a Captain America. They, their characters just feel tired uh, because they've been, how many movies now? Six, seven, eight movies. Like, um, I, I, I would be happy for Spider-Man to sort of anchor it through Infinity War and through sort of the, the phase after that. Because um, I, I remember back at Iron Man 3, which we don't talk about, but the thing was it, it – carried the weight after the first Avengers. Like, everything that happened in that movie was sort of Tony dealing with everything he saw in Avengers 1. <laughs> Badly. Yeah, but so I'm I, I'm assuming then Iron the Man next... Iron Man was inside of me the whole time. The next Spider-Man movie will sort of be doing that, and it's like, what does Peter see at Infinity War, which is going to be a whole lot of stuff. And now he's going to come back to. Well, we to don't. North. We know he's in it. We don't know how much he's going to be involved. It'll be interesting, though. Um, yeah. So, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Go watch it. Do yourself a favor. I'm glad I did myself a favor. And if you here's, got here's the question, Philip. Yeah. Was it better than Wonder Woman? Oh my god. Um. No. Mm. No. I would I would say because just the tone and the theme of each movie is completely different, mm -hmm. I would put them on the same level. Yeah, no, I mean like I it's hard to I do a direct there. comparison. I struggled there. And I mean if we're if we are gun to my head having to say, I think I would say Wonder Woman was done a little bit better. But no, to me I, I'm totally with you that they're apples and oranges. Uh, but if I had to choose, I think I would. I'd still stick with Wonder Woman a little bit. Um, it's too close for me to call because they both nailed. They both nailed tone and atmosphere in a way that so many superhero movies before couldn't do. Because like I'm sitting here watching Homecoming, and I'm thinking like, why haven't we been able to do a Spider-Man like this before? Like, why are we just getting it now? 
and I don't know, like, why? Uh, because, why? because Kevin Feig wasn't running the show for the other Spider-Mans. But it, it just proves that with the right with the right cast and with the right writing, I mean, there's no reason why Which we can't have... there were, like, have... what, like, six people involved with the writing for Homecoming? I don't it even know. It wasn't just one person. It was, like, a whole group of people. Well, bravo to all of them. Because the writing was was fantastic, and um, no, so like, but for both for both franchises, I mean both you know universes, uh, I'm we've the most recent of their movies, great, and I think what Sony and Marvel was able to do, I think they started seeing the the fruits of it in Civil War, just with the 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 type of exposure that the character of Spider Man got for Sony. And um, and w- the goodwill that that you know fans have given even more towards Marvel of oh, wow you went out and you got a Spider Man you know so I think they saw the fruits of it beginning in Civil War and I think we're seeing the total payoff now of just how big that deal was like thank you for playing nice Sony and Marvel and um, makes me infinitely more excited about the Spider-Man video game that we were already excited about. Because now I want to be Peter Parker. Even more than I already am. Hmm. Got a bit to go, though. Yeah. Anything feel good? Yeah. Feel hungry. I feel very hungry. I'm hoping my stomach growling isn't being picked up by the mic. Or else I'm going to have some work to do. Um. So this has been Check Check Go episode 11. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 11 is in the books. Um, you can listen to Check, Check, Go on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play by searching Check, Check, Go. You can also listen to it on our website at FatDragonGaming.com. You can also watch us on YouTube by searching Fat Dragon Gaming. You can find us on Twitter at Fat Dragon Gaming or at Style Media or at Abyssal Penguins with an S. You can also support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Gaming. Just like Predictable Amusement did. Thanks, guys. And you can also catch us next week in our next episode. Until next time. Later. See you.